It's Cofield and Company in the Finley Toyota Studio on ESPN Las Vegas. Happy Friday. Welcome in. It is Cofield and Company. John Von Tobel filling in for Steve Cofield, an experiment of sorts. Because that's it. Demand's a company today. I feel like it's almost like playing hooky. Or, no, substitute teacher vibes. I had a class one time. Has this ever happened to you? So there was one time when I went to the, the wonderful Bishop Gorman High School here in Las Vegas. And there was a day in which I think they forgot to assign a substitute teacher. Like there was a last minute where our English teacher had called out or had to go home sick early, and they forgot to account for our class. So we showed up, and like 15 minutes, just nobody. So we were just like high school kids, like, all right, cool, no class today. We all got in trouble for it, but I feel like it's the same. Yeah, right? (laughs) Well, there might have been a lot of, like, leaving the classroom and, like, doing, you know, nefarious, like, you know, kid things, right? Oh, okay. Um, Yeah, and there was, like, a, hey, you should have told us that nobody was here deal, which is, to your point, how was that on us? But I feel I get the same vibe right now. Like, I feel like I'm on a a tightrope with no net underneath. The world is my oyster. I can do whatever I want. I'm glad you feel like that because all today, when there was an initial text of from you, do we have any guests today? I was like, ah, guess I'll get working. Oh yeah, we'll figure something out. Oh, we did, we did, we actually, <laughs> we got a good show today's today's awesome and, and day in this time of year, I think the the content for some people starts to ramp up. There's so much stuff we could have done like a four hour show today. We kept we were exchanging text messages, going back and forth, and I was almost getting irritated because I'm like, all right. We've got so much stuff, and I don't know where to put it all. There's a lot of stuff to talk about right now. But because there's there's going to be a couple of topics where I'm going to hit on where I'm going to try to tap into your youth. You're young like me. I'm young and vibrant, only 32. You're 27. Yep. There we go. I remember it. I remember it. So there's a couple of things that I was going to hit you with that I feel like you probably won't connect with me because I think we have different interests. Are you in on the day that is today? Which is... Madden launch day. No. Not at all, right? No. Did you were you ever a Madden player? Yeah, but man. When was the last time? What was the one with OBJ on the cover? Ooh. 16? Thir- thir- I thought he was. I oh, mean, earlier no, than that? No, actually, maybe that is right. I'm thinking of like Richard Sherman, because Richard Sherman was on the cover at one point. What was he like 14-ish? Somewhere around yeah. there. Yeah. So it's it's in that that neck of the woods, yeah. Okay. To be honest, the last one where I was super excited, I've got the new Madden, like as soon as it drops. Was that 10 with Larry Fitzgerald and Troy Palomalu on the cover? The One of the greatest Maddens of all time. I hearken back to that one. When, I, when people ask me when was the last good Madden, I say that one. Yeah, that like, was the last one that I was excited about. Of, oh, man, this Madden, is, this is the best ever. Uh, Madden 16, good memory, by the way, for Odo Beckham Jr. Yes, that was good, and I will always say this. It's funny, I was actually just talking about that Madden the other day. I don't know if you remember, but the online play for that one, they had. I don't know if they do it anymore. I don't think they do. But that was like the first year where they unveiled a new version of online play where you could play in teams of three, so you and two other buddies, and you controlled position groups. So defense, it was de- defensive line, linebackers, and defensive backs. And offense, it was running backs, quarterback, and wide receivers. So each one of you would control a position group, and then you would play online against three other people. Awesome. Absolutely brilliant. Last time the game was good. Maybe that's the reason why I stopped playing video games after, like, the age of 20 
is because I'm not a big online player. They're, they're, guys are too good out there online. I just want to play with my friends and have a good time. Maybe do a very detailed franchise mode and, you know, do that for about a good 10, 15 years. So this is – it does speak to something because I am kind of a nerd. I, I get you don't game at all probably, right, lately? No. So I, I that's like the hobby. If I ever get free time, I like the game. Today, actually, it's not only Madden launch day. They just released a new Texas Chainsaw Massacre video game, which is brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. It's online. Yeah, you know, he plays either the family or the victims. It's great. I didn't want to come into work today. I didn't want to come into work today, but I had to do it. I, I knew about that because there was a tie-in with uh, All Elite Wrestling this past Wednesday on the show. So, okay, tell me about this. Was that because in the movie, I think in the movie, the date of the Texas Chainsaw Massacre is August 18th, right? That I don't remember. I know that it was Jeff Jarrett okay. and Jeff Hardy okay. in a Texas Chainsaw match, and Leatherface himself made an appearance with said chainsaw. I can't do this. See this? So you still keep up with wrestling? That's that's your nerddom right there. Yes. that's your nerdy thing. So what are they doing? They don't actually. What do they do in a Texas Chainsaw Massacre match? Basically, it was just a hardcore match, and then we got Leatherface oh, coming okay. down the the ramp. He chased someone off with a chainsaw. Uh, he didn't get to use it. I mean, not since Chainsaw Charlie has anyone been able chainsaw. to use a chainsaw in actual wrestling? Everybody remembers Chainsaw Charlie. Remembers it fondly. Did anybody get destroyed like Sean Jolly did? in joint Rams practice with the Raiders and the Rams. Did you see this clip? I sent this to you. Hunter Renfro. It, I like this. Is Training camp's great, right? And I see a lot of, of former players coming out and being like, hey, you don't understand training camp. You're seeing one-off reps. There's a lot of reps. Like, we're not idiots, all right? A lot of us understand that one rep is one rep. Having said that, Hunter Renfro absolutely destroyed the ankles of one Sean Jolly in joint practice. The Rams, are, the Rams are going to have to stop joint practicing with the Raiders because a few years ago when he had the breakout season, it was, man, he's making Jalen Ramsey look silly out here. That's right. So if I'm a Rams DB, if I'm like, nope, 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 you know, because maybe you can have that excuse because with Jalen Ramsey, it was, he's just trying to work the slot. You know, the right. slot's not his natural position, but nobody cares, man, because Helen Renfro was making you look silly, and now you got people talking about you on the radio. Yeah, it sounds like the Raiders are doing pretty well out there in L.A. We're going to talk to Adam Hill here coming up in, what, 20 minutes or so? About what's happening, yeah, out there in uh, L.A., but it does sound like um, it does sound like the Raiders are doing particularly well in these joint practices for the most part. They might be the best joint practice team of all time, right? Hype galore. They didn't for do a joint practice. They did pretty well against um, uh, who did they play last week? 49ers. They yes, did their, they, right. According to uh, all indications, defensively, it was picking off passes left and right. So they many could, interceptions. They could Brock Purdy look like Mister Irrelevant. This time around, it sounds like it's the offense this time around for the Raiders. So, I mean, the off- the defense last week, there was, hey, reports that you guys had seven interceptions today. Whoa. They're asking the players in the uh, press conferences, did you have two or did you have one? Was, oh, I had two. So, you know, guys are getting interceptions last week. Today, Hunter Renfro, that offense is humming. So, maybe this is good times because we all, everybody always says, especially when we talk to Adam, preseason games don't matter. You should basically just tank the preseason. Now, who cares about the preseason? It's the joint practices that matter. So, Raiders might go undefeated this season. Uh, I mean, I think they're going to go undefeated <laughs> in the preseason. As my theory, I think, does – we'll find out this weekend if it does hold some water. I think Josh McDaniels wants to win these preseason games for whatever reason, whether it's, you know, they keep asking him about establishing a winning culture. I feel like you establish a winning culture in the regular season. But it does seem like they want to win this preseason, and they wanted to win last preseason. So we'll see if they keep that up. So I'll ask you, 
if reports are true, which I would assume they are because you're hearing it from both the Rams and Raiders writers, that the Raiders are doing pretty well in these joint practices, what does that – does that say more about the Raiders or what the Rams are going to be? Because the Rams, remember, for anybody who hasn't really followed what the Rams are doing, this is a top-heavy team. When you say top-heavy, three guys, right? Matthew Stafford, Cooper Cup, who's already dinged up, and Aaron Donald. And then it's a freaking young team almost at every other position. It's insane. I think it's the safety group if you go and look at their roster – there is not a guy who was drafted after, or excuse me, before 2021 or 2020. It's a really young roster at certain positions. Does this say more about the Raiders or does it say more about the Rams who, if you look at a lot of projections, win totals, things like that, win total is six and a half. Some markets, you know, you have, you can bet on worst record in the NFL. Rams are up there with the favorites to have the worst record in the NFL. I feel like it says a little bit more about the Rams. You can say that, but I'm going to disagree. I'm going to say this says more about the Raiders. They're doing it in back-to-back weeks. This team is coming together, as some might say. Where I'm, I'm not buying into the hype, you know, because this is all just preseason reports. You know, mm-hmm. like you know, it could be trash in the regular season. But I would like to believe that, hey, man, this is the year that McDaniel's he's figuring it out as a head coach. That system where you hear it, you heard it all last year. We just need to get our guys. It's a very complex system when it comes to the defense. That's what they did with the defense. Hey, they get some more guys in a year under their belt. Tyree Wilson, we'll see how he comes along. But then on that offense, hey, man, it's clicking. He's got his guy, Jimmy Garoppolo. So maybe. Is that real? What do you mean? Like you honestly feel that way? A little, yes. I don't. What's the win total, seven? Seven and a half, yeah. I don't see why they can't win eight games. Okay. All right. Does Marcus Peters push you over the edge? No. You know, <laughs> that's one of those moves where it's like, yeah, solid addition. I, no, but I, you know what? I, oh, hold on. Amik Robinson, he was on the uh, po- Upon Further Review podcast with Eddie Pascal, you know, their in-house podcast, and he says, hey, man, you know, he's bringing some of that juice, some of that energy. Ooh, he, saw that he, made an, he saw that he made an interception off of a play, and he remembered that same way that he jumped that route, you know, like earlier in practice, and uh-huh. he did the same thing and got one. So, hey, they're looking at him like a veteran. He doesn't like it, apparently, but they're looking at him like he's a vet. We'll see what happens. Uh, he is my my comp for him is the Marcus Smart of corners, where Marcus Smart is always playing for steals, and sometimes it leads to incredible plays, and other times it puts you out of position defensively, and you look, you get burned. The high end is good, but you put yourself in position quite a bit. But I hey, look, I'm not gonna say no, especially with the way. I mean, look, we'll see how it works. We're gonna find out about how Derek Carr's doing in his new home. Because did you see the joy? I should I should have sent this in. Did you see the joyous clip of Derek Carr bonding with Adam Hill yesterday? They bonding. So is that media no. availability and Derek Carr alleged that he still, you know, roots for the Raiders? Oh yeah, I saw that. I thought there was maybe just more with him and Adam. Yeah, he was like talking with Adam. He's like, oh. ah, ha, ha, yeah, Adam. Love you, buddy. Yeah, that's what I was expecting. Yeah. Adam's a good guy, you know? Everybody's friendly. Yeah. Can I before we go to this hit me when I was sending in the rundown. So going back to Hunter Renfro and, you know, absolutely destroying his opponents. Am I did I miss something? What happened to the rumors of Hunter Renfro being on the way out? Hey, wasn't he on the block? He Wasn't was. he going to get traded? Trey Tucker got drafted. He could be a slot guy. I mean, there was there was like a, multiple rumors. Kobe Myers, end of May, weren't there? Like he's done. Yeah, Teams I remember. Around. I was across the hallway on Raider Nation Radio at the time. That's I remember right. that fondly. Your finger on the pulse of the yes. Raiders. <laughs> no, but I think it was one of those things where when you really look at the contract, where you know, mm-hmm. hey, if he if he's on the team past this certain date. Forget about it because, you know, the cap hit would be too high. But you still had people saying, like, oh, maybe they could, maybe they would. No, it makes no sense for them, the way his contract is structured, to get rid of him at this point. 
So I think it was one of those things where people just don't know who McDaniels likes. And that's maybe a credit to this regime, you know, Patriots West, as people likes to call it. They're not letting you know anything. So, hey, man, I think that was more maybe fans. He fumbled the game. He cost us Arizona. He couldn't stay healthy. We need to get rid of him. If history is any indication, let's go back to last year. Josh Jacobs got 100 carries in the Hall of Fame game, right? I I ran because every rumor is like he's out. Like nobody, they don't want him, everything. I, well, I didn't walk. I ran. To bet under <laughs> to bet under 750 and a half rushing yards for Josh Jacobs on the season last year. I think he had a little bit more than 750 and a half. So if, if history is any indication, Hunter Renfro is about to have like a massive year, right? Real quick, how good did you feel when you placed that bet? I feel good when I placed every bet. It was solid. It was like 750. He's not gonna touch this. What are we doing? He's not the lead back. He actually was a lead back for yeah. the league. <laughs> hey, you get some wrong every and once in a while. And which week did you realize, oh man, he's gonna crush this? Um, you have to look back at the game log. It's one of those where you know it's like a it's a future it's a season long yeah. future. So you kind of just like it's uh what's is it the George Foreman grills? You set it and forget it. Mm-hmm. So you just kind of bet it and forget it. And then you realize when you're watching them crush opponents, you're like, I think I've got an under on this guy for the season. And then you look at your account, and you're like, oh yeah, that's not going anywhere. Okay. Now there are good signs. Like last year in, I think, was it like February or March? Emmanuel quickly was making a really big run for six man of the year. Mm-hmm. And I was like going through my accounts and getting all my affairs in order. And at the very bottom of my list, there was an Emmanuel quickly six man of the year ticket that I bet back in October. I was like, yeah, I'm in it. Now he didn't win it, but still it was a great ticket to have. So you kind of just bet and forget. I wish I would have forgotten to bet it because I ultimately lost quite a bit of money, but Hunter Renfro overs. I'm totally in. Coming up in 10 minutes, Adam Hill, the Las Vegas review journal is going to join us. Do we still call that going behind the patch? No, I mean, it's not a not a Raiders topic. It's more like Derek Carr. but Going behind the what? The patch. Isn't that what Steve, isn't that the, the imaging for what they call every time they talk like Raiders with Adam? I'm too new to the show for that one. I always thought, I think that's what they call, I think that's what Steve calls it. I always thought it was kind of weird too because in theory, behind the patch is like a hole, an empty eye socket. Okay, now I get it. Yeah. I was thinking, why isn't it called, you know, going behind the shield? <laughs> yeah, of course, going behind the patch. The patch on the eye, the logo. Now you, you, come on, what are we doing I'm here? A, I'm a, hey, 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 right over my head. You almost had me think, like, wait, does the Raiders logo not have an eye patch? <laughs> it was like one of those things where you're like, wait a minute, what am I missing here? Okay, so you're just wrong. I got it. Yeah. We'll talk to Adam in 10 about his, uh, his loving conversation with Derek Carr. Who uh, the Saints are in LA as well. They're taking on the Chargers, so maybe a big reunion happening. Who knows? They're all in the same city. Did you watch last night? No. Aces Liberty, Revenge, eighty-eight seventy-five. I'm actually, I'm very happy about the way these four games have played out, only because, and I get it, we're Las Vegas and whatnot, and you got to be positive, and it's a positive. But for a minute there. It did seem like the Aces were just going to trounce their way through this entire thing. You even go back to, obviously, when they played them the first time. It was a tough trip, a road trip for the Liberty to make it out here and then lose that first game, 98-81. That was, what, back in the beginning of June? And then they go to New York, and New York's ready for them. That was, what, beginning of August. New York absolutely blasts them. And you're like, all right, well, these are two. So far, we're talking about, like, two scheduled losses for the teams. You know, I think I was in, actually, the day after – 
the Liberty absolutely smoked the Aces, and you even mentioned it, right? Scheduled loss, whatever. Yeah. You know, revenge spot going on the road, it's going to happen. Then the Liberty come here, and we know what happens, Commissioner's Cup. But I'm, I'm happy in the regard that because it looked like this thing was going to be a runaway for the Aces, that if they ultimately meet where we think that they're going to meet, we could get a pretty competitive series. And I'm happy about that because it gives you something to watch. Because as Adam has brought up before, greatness at times, especially if it's dominant greatness, can be kind of boring. So it's good to see that this is at least going to be a competitive series. From a series standpoint, although I will say the series is taking the shape of like an NBA-type series. You know, in the NBA postseason, do you remember like two years ago, everybody was complaining because all the postseason games were blowouts? Mm-hmm. Yeah, you get three-point shooting, you get a lot of variance, so these results are going to look a little bit more lopsided than they really are. The game is changing in the WNBA, moving more and more away from playing low-post basketball and looking more and more like a modern style of basketball, and thus I think the results are getting a little bit more modern. So I like this. I'm in. Hope we get a uh, competitive series. Win. I'm not going to say if. Win. Oh. They mean the final. Maybe Going out the, on a limb. If the Liberty can get there. I mean, Sabrina Ionescu, did we ever get to the bottom of the shoes? I saw that you put it there. She uh, had 22 points. That's what I was going to ask. I, I don't know if we ever got to the bottom of it. So for those who had missed this, so her shoes were taken from uh, Mua, right, because they just stayed over because they had two games out here in Las Vegas. Now, this is the important part, as it was made to be known. The inserts, the sole inserts, that was the important part. Not the shoes. It was the inserts. There's a lot of serious conversations about this. This isn't funny. Even the police are involved. Did you see that? No, I didn't see that. Oh, no. yeah. I was reading I was reading an article. Uh, the Liberty are working with Metro to get to the bottom of this. I didn't know that you could get police after a pair of stolen shoes. Yeah, cops lost launch investigation. That's wow. right. Do you, if you are the person who stole the in the, the inserts... Inserts, right? Yeah, no, they stole, stole, they stole the whole shoe. She well, they stole the whole shoe, yeah. but I'm saying if you stole the, you know, everything, right? Did the inserts get more money? Like if you try to sell them on eBay or the shoes? Also, do people still stuff, sell stuff on eBay? Is eBay still, like that? I feel like that's a dated term if you sell stuff on eBay. No, eBay still, you know, okay. people still sell stuff on there. But I don't know if you know, this is like a dark web type of thing. This, this is hot merchandise here. Game-worn inserts from Sabrina Ionescu. And then the, the cops are going to be looking at you. They're going to be like, oh, game-worn, huh? When this go on sale? I do like they'll put it on the highest bid. Boom, they got you. I uh, I do think. I mean, it didn't work. By the way, she was what uh, six or twelve from three point range yesterday. Yeah. So. so if they were doing that in the name of the aces, <laughs> right, right? Can you imagine like walking by? Oh, I know who these are. I'm going to set up the aces for success. I'm taking these things, and you know, then and she just absolutely lights the three point line on fire in front of the judge. I did it for the aces. <laughs> right. <laughs> Explain yourself. I did it for my hometown team. Speaking of hometowns. We got to hear from one James Harden. He was, uh, it's not his hometown, but, you know, Houston, right? Loves it out there. He was playing in a softball, like a charity softball league. By the way, looks in shape. So, you remember there's thoughts about, hey, does he show up in the fat suit again for the Philadelphia 76ers? For those who don't remember, when he showed up in Houston his last year, he was very heavy, we'll say puffy. That disappeared in like two weeks when the second he got to Brooklyn, he was in shape. Died in exercise to do his wonders. Yes, he was. <laughs> I don't know, man. That was a really weird body shift. Like, I don't know where it came from. Keto. I guess, yeah. He had his ketones were up. He was, they were firing on all cylinders by the time he was out of there. Um, so he he was in Houston. He's getting ready for this charity event. And a local Houston news station catches up with him out there in the, the field. And they're asking him about the charity event and whatnot. 
Then they get to the Philadelphia 76ers, and Harden, again, he's just doing what he does. He just wants to go scorched earth with this whole thing. With China, do you have an open line of communication with, with the 76ers, and how much patience do you need to have to, to let this play out? I'm just, I'm, I'm been patient all summer, so uh, for me, it's just uh, focus on what I can control, and that's, uh, you know, working out, staying in shape, and uh, getting ready for a good season. Too late to repair the relationship? Uh, I think so. Okay. Yeah. No, but at the beginning, he says with China. I, I think what the anchor is referring to is when he made the statement out in China. Yes. Right. So uh, when I first heard that, I was like, does he have open communication with China? Which actually, <laughs> he might. I mean, there's there's a theory that maybe he would like to play in China, but that's a He whole said, thing, you know, right? once, yeah. once his, yeah, he'd like to play a year over there. He is going to be such a hero. Man, denouncing Daryl Morey in China. He was on a live stream and they bought, and somebody bought like a thousand bottles of his wine. Apparently, yeah. it's nasty. Says who? Oh, it's just a random internet headline that I didn't decide to click on. When I was when I was getting the show together, I, I had that bookmarked. I was like, I'm going to read this. So I'm just going off the headline. They don't know what they're talking about. Have you tried it? No. Sounds like we got to do a Copeland Company investigation. I feel like I should order a bottle. Let me see this. Hold you know where it's going to be popular at? Oh. In China. <laughs> How much do you think a bottle? Oh, it's not that bad. It's only $17.49. It's that total wine and more. We'll go get a bottle after the show. All right, I'm in. I got to try this. I'm not a wine guy, but I'm going to go try this. So I wanted to bring this up because obviously it's a story that Harden continues to do what he does. But I saw this, and I also saw it alongside a quote from Kevin McHale, who you know had time in Houston, and you roll your eyes, and I'm actually with you here because part of what has bothered me about the Harden narrative has been this thought that like nobody needs him, he sucks. He led the league in assists last year. He single-handedly helped the Philadelphia 76ers win two games in the Eastern Conference semifinals. But you get guys like McHale to say things like this, quote, James wanted the big extension from Philly. Philly wouldn't give it to him. If that's not a Daryl decision, Daryl Morey, Daryl's got a part of that, of course, but that's an owner decision. So Harden was really mad, saying Daryl lied to him. But, you know, maybe they saw game seven against the Celtics, nine points on three of 11 shooting and a 24-point loss, and said, I'm not interested in that. What are we doing? If you, if you are a team, and this isn't really what happened, but the, the, I, I just wish people would think about what they say. Do you really think an NBA f- team is basing their evaluation on what they're going to do with a player on one game? It's I hate this line of thinking. It's it's obnoxious. And people do it to me all the time. The other day, I had a co-host on VEASAN. <laughs> you can tell this irritates me. Because he, he, we're talking about this, and again, I'm making the argument, like he's not useless because they're going down the path of, of being useless. And he goes, well, what would he do in the playoffs? And I was like, he, and, he, and I'm like, he helped them win two games when, by the way, your superstar, Joel Embiid, was getting shut down by Al Horford the fourth quarter. Right? Did they win the series? And I'm like, I can't. I did can't. you say, did you say, did you watch the games? Did, I, you, like, did you throw that back at him? I mean, I, I want to. I mean, when I'm arguing that, I'm essentially saying, did you watch? You're like, you didn't watch. I get he's got his flaws, but arguments like this drive me absolutely insane. He's still got value. He's a crazy guy, but he's still got value. And the thought that James Harden, the dude who led the league in assists, who could be an awesome third option for a team, has no value, drives me insane. So I like to tell the story. I'm trying to try uh, I'm gonna try not to get emotional. You know what the greatest moment of my life was, Damon? No, tell me. When my oldest son was born, and I held him in my arms, 
And I said hi to him. You know what he did? The second I spoke, the second my son heard my voice for the first time, fresh out of the womb, he opened his eyes. One of the greatest memories I'll ever have. Not the same look that Derek Carr gave Adam Hill of the Las Vegas Review Journal. He actually had more love in his eyes when Derek Carr saw Adam. Adam, would you? What did that feel like when when Derek Carr was looking at you the way that he was? It was it was great. Uh, I don't think any of this is true. I also don't think I don't think you attended your son's birth. Okay, first off, now you're opening a can of worms. Uh, this story actually absolutely is true, uh, and I was there. Although um, there was a, a, a Isabel alleges that at one point because our first kid we were she was in labor for like thirty hours, thirty two hours. Sure. Um, she alleges that there was a moment where somebody brought her a bag of donuts, but obviously she couldn't eat, so I had one. And she was mad at me, and I was like, no, you were – no, you're delirious. I didn't eat. I was actually on a hunger strike with you. I was there for both of them. And, in fact, I will add, the second time around, I hope this lady hears me, I almost fought the nurse the second time around because she almost sent Isabel home. And I go, you know what? Why don't you check her? And when she did, the nurse was like, oh, we got to keep her. I'm like, yeah, we do. I don't need, I need to do my job, huh? So, yes, I was there. Boom. Uh, first of all, nobody believes you turned down donuts. And secondly, when, what month was this that your first son was born? Um, August, actually. His birthday's coming up in 10 days. Okay. All right, I was going to say that. That's more believable. Like, if it was during football season, you definitely were watching games or at least checking scores or updates or something. But, okay, I'll, I'll believe August. That's a pretty slow period. There we go. There we go. So, did it, was Derek Carr excited to see you? I saw the clip. He was uh, – we'll talk about – I mean, we talk about stories that are true or not. I, I, will, I will argue the veracity of the story that Derek Carr told you. But what was it like when they were reuniting? Um, wait, I don't know where this is coming from. Where did you see this uh, alleged interaction? Because it did, there was, I will say this, it was a very, very friendly uh, exchange uh, for multiple times, actually, uh, on the field. I don't know if there was any love in his eye or, you know, anything like that. I think he was excited to see people that, you know, he's known in the past and been around them. Uh, he, uh, as he left the field yesterday uh, in uh, in Costa Mesa, where I'm at, he kind of saw me and another uh, Raiders reporter that was out there. There was only two of us. And he definitely beelined where he was supposed to be to come over and speak to us uh, for a couple minutes. Then he went and spoke to the uh, Saints media contingent uh, at the podium, and I went over there and got some questions in. And then Derek brought us over and then talked for about another 15 minutes, just to, just kind of you know reminiscing, talking about the old days and talking about <laughs> his time in Oakland and Vegas and Asking how some of the guys were like it was a, it was a very nice a very nice experience. Yeah, I, I mean, I'm talking about the exchange in which yeah, I mean, you follow <laughs> there was a follow up from you. I think about his love for the Raiders and the fact that sure. he's still root for them. So that's what I'm talking about. He seemed very very chipper when he looked at you. Uh, yeah, I, was, I mean, I think you know, again, I think he was you know he was excited to maybe not answer questions about the Raiders, but I think just see that people still care or interested and wanted to tell his story and. That sort of thing. I know a lot of the quotes that he used and that he gave me were stuff that he's already used uh, to people in New Orleans. Recycled some of that a little bit, but uh, well, he was genuine. And once again, you know, Derek, I think is very careful about what he says when the cameras are on, and is a very, very normal person when the cameras are not on. And that was, you know, the the good conversation that we had. I, I wish, I wish he wasn't scared of being himself. I don't know if "scared" is the right word. Like he, he just, you know. I don't think he wants to get burned. I think he wants to be very, very careful of what he says. And uh, I think he's a very normal person uh, when he's not trying to speak to a camera. And I, I think people get an impression of that's who he is, that he's 
somewhat disingenuous and that sort of thing because he is a different person when he's talking on camera than when he's not, and, and that's that was evident again yesterday. But um, you know, it's what he's kind of done to manage his way through his career. Do you believe his story that his children were watching the Raiders game on Sunday? I was actually trying to put the timeline together. Um, <laughs> I don't. It's possible, right? Uh, because they played the, the Raiders game started right after the Saints game, right? So you have three hours to yeah. I, I think it works out. I, I was talking about this with somebody else. Like you, you know, you do your interviews, take a shower, the locker room closes, whatever. That's about an hour. Um, New Orleans post game traffic probably not great. I don't know exactly where he lives, but it's probably not any more than a half hour, forty five minutes. Like I think by the time you get home, it would probably be the third quarter, maybe the fourth quarter of the game after you. I think it's possible that that it was on. And look, I, I imagine if the Raiders were playing, the family was at home watching. I, I'm not sure. Like I would think they were at the game. So I don't think he would. I, when they ride home with him, I don't think he'd walk into the house with them watching the game. Right. I think they would all walk in together, maybe. Um, but, yeah, it was definitely something I was discussing. I would say that it's not out of the realm of possibility they were watching the Raiders game. I would argue maybe the cheering was going on for something else or it had to die down because they were hoping for another result. You know what I'm saying? Just all I'm saying. You're, you think they were cheering against the Raiders? Of course. Not in the preseason. I don't think they care. I think they might in the regular season. All right, so I've got to ask. First, were the arms jacked? <laughs> yeah, of course. More Jack? Gl- <laughs> glistening in the California sun. Wow. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Had to get that out of the way. But how did he actually look in practice with the Saints? Does it look like the Raiders? Could they be having some regrets from what you saw out there on the practice field? So the arms were glistening. Uh, he was uh, looked good in the new uniform, for sure. Uh, what was your question? How did he look on the practice field? Because I'm seeing him drop a bomb to Camaro. The weather was nice. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, as as John knows, uh, John, I was very focused, as you probably would be too, on the second team offense for the Saints. Of course. Because uh, I am a unapologetic Jameis fan, and meeting Jameis this week uh, that was the real highlight. I mean, I know you guys, being in Vegas, are more interested about Derek. Uh, meeting Jameis was, I would say, the highlight of the week. That's the the main reason to come down here. That's what I was looking at. Um, yeah, I, I think there was times he looked good. I think Derek looked much, much better today than he did yesterday, uh, for sure. Um, I thought he had a pretty decent practice today. So, you know, that was that was a good sign. And Michael Thomas caught a couple balls. That's a very good sign for uh, the same time. Jawan Johnson, the tight end, was spectacular. Um, I have a, a big fantasy draft tomorrow. I was actually taking notes of that, for sure, uh, as I watched. Uh, but I'll also say this, like, Whatever you think of Justin Herbert as a quarterback and his talent at arms and all that stuff, my goodness, when you watch him practice, that dude is legit. Everything is just right where it's supposed to be all the time. It's wild to watch him to watch him practice. Now, I know that it hasn't fully translated in the in game situation yet. I know the uh, the offense hasn't been ideal necessarily, but. Um, man, that guy can sling the ball around the practice field. Well, so let's build on that for a second, though, because I'm actually – I find myself gravitating Adam more and more to the Chargers. Big reason why is they're not going to have a quarterback with an arm and a physical skill set like Justin Herbert having the third lowest average depth of target. How did the new offense look overall? Uh, it was good. It was actually uh, it was something uh, – a good friend of the show, Miles Simmons, was, uh, was there today. We were kind of standing there talking about it. Like, um, you know, it's practice. So you don't know how much that translates, but – 
you know, you're kind of watching and saying, wow, that was a throwdown field. Wow, that was another throwdown field. Oh, look, another throwdown field. So um, I think the opportunities are going to be there. I think that's a focus of what they want to do, um, whether that actually translates. I mean, look, I think we have, at least I have, and I think a lot of other people have forgiven or excused Justin Herbert for the fact that they don't throw the ball downfield um, and said, hey, it's the offense's fault, it's the coordinator, it was Lombardi, it was all, all these other factors. Like, it is still him making the decisions and actually making the throws, right? So um, I would think he's going to be in a position to do it. If he doesn't do it this year, I'd say it's probably – we could probably look at it and say, hey, that's just Justin Herbert making those decisions on his own and deciding that's what he's going to do. But um, I think he will be in a position to test test the secondaries downfield and to push the ball. And um, if he does it, I think we can see a whole new Chargers offense and we can see definitely a whole new Justin Herbert because, uh, man, if today was any indication and yesterday, uh, their offense is clicking. Okay, enough of Herbert. I I, I don't want to hear it. <laughs> oh, the, all whoa, the whoa, hype. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Oh man, Adam sees one practice. He's the guy preseason uh, two. Two. Oh, two. Okay, you see two practices from Herbert, and he's the second coming. Tell me more about Jameis. He eats eats W. Um, look, even in practice, the dude just will not make a simple throw. Awesome. Like everything. Everything is like no matter it's thirty yards downfield, it's two yards downfield. He's like, where is the tightest window that I can try to throw the ball into? It's it's wild to watch it, and then you see these like amazing throw followed by what were you thinking throw? But every, he makes everything difficult. It's just amazing to watch it. It's crazy, and yeah, I know we joked a couple of years ago that the LASIK was going to fix that, but the dude just loves to try to challenge himself. I think for some reason, and it's uh, it's the same in practice. All right, we'll get you out of here, uh, but two things to wrap up really quickly. First off, I want to bring this back to the Chargers. Sorry, Damon. Have you gotten a chance in the two days to talk to Staley, and has there been any conversation about him as a decision-maker? Because I'm one who believes Brandon Staley going forward and doing what he did in terms of increasing win probability was the way to go, and I thought he lost his mojo last year because too many people questioned him and he heard it. I agree with you. Look, I, I, I just met him. I didn't really talk to him. Okay. Uh, I wanted to because he was talking to Urkel, uh, that's don't a real. Ruin, don't ruin it. I was gonna. Uh, that's my second one. Don't ruin the point. That's the second one. <laughs> sure. Um, so yeah, I didn't really talk to him, but I, I would agree with you. I mean, I I thought two years ago he put them he put them in a much better position to win by the decisions that he made, and I thought last year he was scared off. Yep. I think whatever it was, the ownership, it was GM, whoever told him to to not do what he was doing. Um, I think he was scared for some reason, and I hope he goes back to two years ago, Brandon Staley, not you know because I care about the Chargers, but just because I care about innovation and forward thinking and proper thinking in football, and he was doing everything right. And just because some idiots on social media wanted to mock it, uh, somebody, I think, told him to tone it down, and I hope that they don't do that again. Mark Sanchez was the guy walking towards you in your Instagram story. Urkel was the one catching balls off to the left. No, he was not catching balls. He was he was way in the distance ah, okay. in the back. But I got the but, Sanchez uh, right, right? Yeah, yeah. Sanchez was absolutely walking toward near the end of the video. Yes, I uh, I captured a Instagram video that had both Urkel and Mark Sanchez. That has to be one of the weirdest combinations that you'll ever that you'll ever see. Uh, T.J. Hushmanzada was out there today. Uh, a lot of a lot of uh, interesting names, just people just hanging out around the uh, around the practice. It was very fun. And by the way, what a dream to actually be able to watch practices and film practices and get content and uh, see what's going on in the field. It was amazing, and just access to players walking off the field that you can talk to. Crazy. Did every media member flush the toilet? Uh, it's all outside. There's no media room. Oh, so just outside on the grass. 
Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. You just go wherever you want, like a dog. It's great. Um, no, there's a, there's porta potties somewhere. I never saw them, but yeah, it's not it's not the same setup like in uh, in Vegas where the where the bathroom is in the media room. Mm. All right, allegations I can make on another day. Adam, thanks for the time, man. Appreciate it. Oh, uh, we've got so much more to talk about, like a hurricane on the way. What is this? What is happening? Oh, that's a good point. I forgot about that. Yeah, we got to talk to. Well, I will talk about that later. Adam's got a busy day. He's yeah. got chicken wings to eat and go do stuff. Not inviting you. It's a topic for another day. It's a topic for another day. My feelings are already hurt. John Von Tobel filling in for Steve Cofield today. Damon Cotton alongside. I uh, wanted to update what Adam brought up because the NFL is monitoring that uh, hurricane. As of now, the game on Sunday between the Chargers and the Saints not due to, to be canceled. But according to Florio here on Pro Football Talk, by the way, for the first time ever, Southern California is under a tropical storm watch. First time ever. Everything's okay. Yeah. I'm not going to lie. It took me a while. I had to finally click on it to see because I see, oh, Hurricane Hillary. I was like, some happened with Hillary Clinton. I was like, is she making a run for it again? <laughs> and then, <laughs> then I was like, oh. They called her. <laughs> uh, but we are, uh, we are also – Feeling the effects of this. I don't know if you yeah. just got one. We just got a flash flood warning. I was, when I was doing my work today on my brand new desktop computer in my office. God, I feel old. We were just talking about feeling old. Um, the loudest clap of thunder I can remember hearing in recent years shook my apartment. It was kind of crazy. I thought it was a car accident happening outside my window. And so I turned down my music. I was like, what the hell? And yeah, it was just an elongated thunder blast. Wave? Form? Whatever. Let's go wave. Okay. Either way, be careful out there because we just got a flash flood warning. So don't – I was going to say, what's the phrase about the flooding? Don't drive in it? Yeah. Well, I mean that, but there's like a like a quirky rhyme that you can use. No. No? No. I thought there was like some sort of thing that they use in like the National Weather Service things. That like it's like a quirky little rhyme. Can't don't drive through it. Don't whatever. All right. Yeah. Just just be careful when you're driving, folks. Okay. <laughs> Flash flood warning. Just be careful. You should also be careful when it comes to narratives around players. Because something has bothered me a little bit over the last couple of days. Let's bring this back to Sunday. We we didn't get to talk a lot on Monday and on Tuesday about the San Francisco 49ers side of that beatdown here in Las Vegas. And one of the big topics of conversation coming out of that, of course, has been Trey Lance and how poor Trey Lance looked in that game. And he and he did. He did not perform very well. And it's been part of this tumultuous start to his career. He was a developmental project, as we all know. He has barely played football. He has an injury that sets him back. It's not been the best environment or most conducive to learning. But still, you have to have narratives. You have to have conversations about it. But I kind of felt like a little gross about some of the conversations being had around Trey Lance. Like, I sucks, terrible, never any good. Blah. And it's like, eh, relax. And again, I'm just kind of absorbing this through either media that I take in, social media. It's not like any one person has said this. I'm just kind of seeing this everyone, you know, everywhere, right? And I'm not the only one. This is like part of a strong mm-hmm. narrative that has reached a lot of different places to the point where actually Kyle Shanahan was asked the other day about, hey, look, 
lot of negative about Trey Lance and his performance. You know, what what do you tell him to kind of at least comfort him a bit and say, hey, man, like everything's fine. This is what Shanahan had to say. Uh, it just goes with the territory. I mean, it goes with it for quarterbacks. It goes with it for anybody who's a high draft pick, but especially, especially a quarterback. Uh, you watch, and that's one of the tough things, I, I think, for that position, but also for high draft picks. I mean, you watch receivers come in the league and they have a few drops early in camp, and um, there becomes a lot of pressure on them. People want to see those people take off and do it right away and have no flaws, and that's just part of it. Am I wrong to watch more from Shanahan there? What do you want him to say? Lee, Lee, leave Trey alone? No, but you can – I feel like you, instead of just going, no, nah, it comes with the territory, I feel like you can in the very least publicly give him some form of support. He's the best play caller that's ever lived. What's he, what do you want him to say? It's his fault? No, I mean, I don't think you have to take fault. I think you can do a little bit more like, hey, you know what? I think Trey is you know, doing the best he can. I think he's got a bright future. It's one preseason game. He'll be fine. Not essentially – Suck it up, it comes to the territory. Like, mm. and, and I say that, too, because I know Steve has kind of gone down this path before. Like, he's not the biggest Kyle Shanahan fan. You know, he calls him Little Shanny, and he kind of, he's, he's voiced doubts about, hey, is this guy really that great? I don't want to put words in Steve's mouth. It's from years past, right? And I just, I kind of feel like, I'm going to use the A word here, there is some kind of arrogance that stems from Shanahan and the way that that franchise has operated over the last few years. I mean, just look at the way that, that look, they're going into this year, Jimmy Garoppolo, we don't need you. See ya. We'll go in with Mr. Irrelevant because we think eight games is enough of a sample size. I can do anything with any of these quarterbacks. I, I, I there's, It's just the way that they've kind of handled things certain, in certain instances. And there's also, I'll tie it into Jimmy Garoppolo, because there was reports the other day, I don't know if you, you guys talked about this when I was gone on either Wednesday or Thursday, but there was this weird piece from Tim Kawakami that popped up the other day. He was like answering questions. And, and part of the conversation and or part of the piece went into the relationship between Jimmy Garoppolo and Kyle Shanahan and this is from the athletic article from Kawakami said quote Shanahan's favorite kind of quarterback personality is a type quintuple a Kirk Cousins Purdy isn't as vocal as Cousins but similarly detailed and oriented and structured not how Garoppolo does things low-key guy an improviser, maybe not so much of a detail guy, all but unreachable when he's not physically at Team HQ, not a guy who won't return calls or text promptly. He won't return them at all, even from his coach or from his GM. It's just who he is. It's a weird piece. You know where Kawakami and guys get their information from. I remember talking to somebody who covered um, Shanahan out in Atlanta the year that he went over to San Francisco. It was one of the funniest quotes I ever heard where he told us when I was, you know, we were interviewing him, that Kyle Shanahan, he doesn't think, could lead a group of guys from a uh, bar to a strip club. You know, like he didn't really believe in it. And I just I just didn't really like hearing that from Trey Lance. And also, I mean, this information comes from somewhere. I'm not alleging that it's coming from Shanahan, but it's just he's falling out with Jimmy Garoppolo. He's not sticking up for his quarterback. Am I reading too much into this? Um, It depends on how you want to look at it because I do think that that arrogance that you speak of, it's definitely there. The move that him and John Lynch made to move up for Trey Lance, that would get anybody else fired. But he's, I, he, I would look at it as if I'm Teflon if I'm him. I can make that bad of a move, but it doesn't matter. You know why? Because I can make any quarter, I can make Mr. Irrelevant our starting QB. So, yes, that arrogance there, that is real. The Jimmy G thing, he's looking like a hero in my eyes. That's the model employee. I want to walk around like work like I'm Jimmy G. Outside of work, don't call, don't text. You'll see me on Monday when I get in the office. All right. I just, it, it just rubbed me the wrong way. 
And especially, like, we talk about confidence. You know, I'm a Colts fan. Anthony Richardson is starting. People talk about confidence when it comes to play and maybe if he makes mistakes. But if you hear it from your coaching staff, I think you're going to be fine. And I just feel like as a young guy who hasn't had a really good rap, like, I, I feel like you just want to hear it a little bit. No. No? No. I don't think – no, I'm saying maybe he does want to hear that, but Kyle Shanahan's not that guy because I'm sure he's looking at him like, you almost cost me my job, man. 